Hello, we at Established Footsteps Ministry are glad you have chosen to listen to this teaching. Here is Sharon Thomas speaking part one of Praying God's Word. But I want to ask you a question tonight, you know, because we've already gotten into this year um, of 2010. We're about a month into it. And I just want you to think for a minute, you know, how are you doing in this year? We've gotten 29 days behind us now. How's it going? Just think about that. It's good. Yeah, woo. Some people are probably, ooh, you know, all kinds of uh, different answers out there. This is the year for me that I'm going to turn 45. And, um, yeah, I think I'm sharing about that. And it, I'll tell you, though, it's a little bit um, sobering because when I think about that, I think that more than likely I've probably lived half of my life. And in some ways, just as you get older and you start thinking about things, it kind of puts me in a little bit of a crisis mode, in a, in a way, because I really just seem to think the older I get, I really want my life to matter. I really want God's purposes to be fleshed out in my life and, and worked out in my life, and not in just some kind of pretentious or fake way or might look like it is. I want to know that when I go before the Lord, the things that He created me for are really going to have happened. And, you know, I spend a lot of my time doing this now. And because of what I just told you, I've kind of gotten to the point that I really, it, it's nice when I speak and, and people sometimes will come up afterwards and they'll say, oh, I really love that story you told about so-and-so. We'll laugh together or whatever. Or, you know, they'll say, that was really nice. Or, boy, I just had a good time and I was glad I was here. And I love hearing that kind of stuff. But I want to tell you what the cry in my heart is when I speak to women these days. And that is that some will come and they'll say, you know what? When we got in God's word together tonight, God spoke to me. And I've been changed. And this is what's going to happen because of this. That's the kind of things that I long to hear. Because I guess as I'm just maybe in my midlife crisis time, you know, I just want to know that what we're taking the time to do is really going to matter. But, you know, God has laid it on my heart so strong that he is the only one that can bring about change in people. He's the only one that can bring about change in me. I mean, we can serve and we can do his work, but he is the only one that brings about change. If you think about it, all of humanity comes to the table, comes to church, comes to life with pretense. You know, you know what I mean by that? You know, you, they say you can't, you know, uh, judge a book by its cover because what you see on the outside is not what always is really going on, right? I and mean, I mean, we've all had experiences with that and all of humanity deals with that. None of us can get away from that. And we have to think about that. And it really takes us right into the subject that we're going to talk about tonight, which is prayer. Because prayer can have a lot of pretense with it. You know, it can look one way on the outside, but it may be completely different on the inside. And it's been an issue for thousands of years. 2,000 years ago, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, if we were looking there, he's talking to the people. And basically what he's saying is, Enough already with the fake praying. <laughs> you know, I've had it with that. Let me tell you how to really do this thing. And I just have to think, as I was preparing for tonight, I really was trying to think, Jesus, if you were standing before your daughters tonight, speaking to them about this coming year, what would you say to them about prayer? Because I hope that tonight he's the one speaking. And he's the one teaching here as we look at his word together. And I just want to get rid of any pretense of anything that you might think about me and just tell you from the get-go, 
As a Christian woman, there have been many, 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 many times, more often than not, I have been frustrated with this whole concept of prayer (laughs) because it's challenging. And many of you who know me, and a lot of you do because this is my home church and I know you and so it's fun to get to be together, but many of you that know me, you know that I have a passion for God's word. And and Debbie mentioned that I I get to lead a ministry. We've been doing this now for about four years called Established Footsteps. And it's all about just trying to get women to really love being in the word of God and getting their direction and their daily steps planted in his truth. But it's not always been like that. About 18 years ago, I got rid of the pretense with God and I said, God, you know what? If I'm really honest with you, I do not love your word I don't really have any desire to read it. I know I'm supposed to. If you want me to love it, you're going to have to build a love for your word in me. And I I pretty much offered up that haughty prayer to him for about three years. And God's so good, he answered. Because that's his will, that we would love his truth and what he has to say. And he literally birthed a passion. He's the one that changed me. It wasn't anything about me. He birthed a passion for his word in my life. And I am so grateful that he did that. But you know what? In all genuineness, I have to confess to you that my prayer life has not been as passionate over these last 15 years. It's not been at all. And I've prayed many times. I spent a lot of time in prayer. But I long to have those real satisfying, faith-filled, power-filled times of prayer where I know God's doing something and and we're going to really just shake the, the things of earth and really get some stuff done here that God's wanting to do. I long for that. And so in the last few years, I've been saying to the Lord what I was saying about his word. I've been saying about prayer, God, I know that I don't have this thing right. Would you please do a work in me and show me some things about prayer? Because I don't want it to be just something that I'm checking off my list every day to make sure that I've spent some time with God or prayed before my meal or, you know, said the prayer request in our class time. I want this thing to be real. And as I've talked to other Christians, I've found that many of them have confessed the same thing. See, it's very easy for us in our Christian experience to use that word prayer a lot, you know? And and I don't know if you've ever been like me at times, maybe, when somebody says, I'm praying for you. Have you ever wondered, I wonder what they really mean by that? (laughs) Does that mean they're thinking about me? Does it mean maybe at their small group time or community group or, you know, Sunday school class, they're going to mention my name and they're going to put me on a list or something or, you know, um, is it just the right thing to say when you write a card to one of your Christian friends, you know, keeping you in my prayers? Or do they really mean that they are going before the throne of heaven and engaging God about what I just shared with them? And you know what? When other people ask me to pray, I want to make sure that when I say I'm going to pray, that I really mean it. I'm just ready in my life at this age of 45 to just move on from any kind of pretense. I want what what we say is happening. I want it to really be the thing that's happening. And you know what? It's so easy in our Christian experience for that word prayer to become a part of our lingo. But tonight, what I want us to talk about is really making it a part of who we are. David Jeremiah, some of you may have heard of him before. I love his teaching. And he has said this. He says, I have over a hundred books on prayer in my library. But as is true of so many of our experiences as a Christian, I only learned how to pray in the practice of it. And I would say to you tonight with no pretense, that is true for me too. The way I'm learning how to pray 
is praying, <laughs> practicing prayer. And in this last year, as I've been asking the Lord, you know, over the last few years, God burdened me a hunger and a love for prayer like you did for your word. I have been getting lots of practice. <laughs> He's put me in some situations where there was nothing else to do but to seek God. Last summer when we got ready, some of you have been to our Women's Vacation Bible School and we're just starting to gear up for that again. And this, this coming summer, it's probably going to be in early August. I hope you'll come and be a part of it. But that thing hits like a tsunami. Let me tell you, there's details. We're in so far over our head. We don't know what we're doing. We're just trying to, you know, do what we ask God, what God wants us to do. And last year, we had such a wonderful prayer leader. She's actually sitting right here, Martha Jones, and she just took us to some really deep levels of prayer and called us to some great prayer times. And it was great practice for me. And then this fall, we, we took a team to Romania. I'd never done that before. I'd never led like that. And, and God literally put 300 prayer warriors around us. And I thought, well, if they're praying for us, I got to be really serious about this and really pray too, you know, and we saw God do some neat things. And, and this year I have a daughter who is a senior you're in high school, and if any of you have been through that, you know that needs a lot of prayer. And so I've gotten a lot of practice this year. I'll tell you a little bit more about how a little bit later tonight, but God's been letting me practice. And I'm finding that this life is a spiritual battle. It just really is. And my weapon that he has put in my hand is prayer. It's my only weapon as a mom for, you know, my kids who are growing up and really can think a lot brighter than I can. And so the stuff that I used to use doesn't work anymore. And I got to really think and pray. And a lot of times I don't have the influence over them that I used to. I can't demand because they can think, you know, and, and we got to work through things. And I have to pray that God would change their hearts because I can't, I can't make them do it anymore. So it's my only weapon as a mom. It's my only weapon a lot of times as a person, you know, doing life with a family and a church and a job and friends. It's really my only weapon. It's really my only weapon to deal with myself because <laughs> I've got dreams and visions and things I want to see happen in my life. And you do too. And it is our weapon talking to the God about our life because he's the one that gave it to us. 15 years ago, God privileged me to encounter this word in a fresh and passionate way. And I'll never forget one night we had a friend who was a missionary home from Kenya. And he was in our house. And I just couldn't stop talking about the Bible with him. We were up to like 2 o'clock in the morning. He and my husband and I sitting on the floor. And he finally just looked at me and he said, Sharon, it's like you've got a new Bible or something. Like you've never read it. And I said, Phil, that's what I feel like. I feel like it's new. And you know what? In this season of my life, that's about where I'm at with prayer. It's like this thing that I've had all my life. God is showing me something new with it. And so here we are tonight coming together, and I'm so glad we have. And as is often the case, I just speak and teach out of what God's doing. It's the overflow. You know, if you hear me talk about something, it's probably something that God's been doing in me. And so when the women's ministry team here at Northside was putting together this event and had asked me to speak, and they said, well, what do you think you might like to speak about? And I said, prayer. And you know what? It kind of scared me after I said that because I know that I've not arrived and I have so far to go. I am right on this journey with every one of you in here and probably many of you could teach me a lot of things. But I am in a season of being very jazzed up about prayer. There's a woman 
who was doing um, one of our Bible studies a few years ago. And she wrote me an email, and it was really late one night. You know, sometimes how you get those emails from people, you think, what in the world are you doing up at 2 o'clock in the morning or whatever? Go to bed. But she wrote me this email, and she was writing some things about the Bible study. And she said, too jazzed up about Bible study to go to bed. And I loved that. I thought, what a phrase that is. I love that. And that's about where I'm at right now. I am too jazzed up about prayer to just settle into this year of 2010 and live the same old way I've been living and deal with the same old things without seeing God move. And let me tell you what I'm really jazzed up about because God has really shown me something in this last year. And that is that his word and prayer go together. (laughs) See, when God did this work in me 15 years ago about the word, He knew what he was going to be doing in my life now, 15 years later. The word is literally God's language. It is what he speaks. And if we're going to talk to him, we need to stop and say, what language am I really praying in? And so tonight what we're going to be talking about is intentionally praying in God's language. Praying the word in 2010. And and, and I hope that, you know, I mean, we're all different people from different places, but... I just want to, you know, cut out the pretense in any kind of way. We're all sojourners on this walk with Christ. And, you know, a month has already gone by. We can get rid of the pretense because, for me, I am a month closer to my daughter graduating and going off to Florida for college. (laughs) I'm a month closer to having to pay for that, too, you know. And some of you out there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That's a new journey for us. You know, I'm a month closer to our women's VBS and all that's going to come with that. I'm a month closer to ending another year and some of the things that I I want God to do in my life. If if I don't seek him, I don't know that we're really going to get those things done. I'm a month closer to participating in some ministry areas that I know God's calling us into that are just way out of my comfort zone and not anything I've ever done before. I'm a month closer to turning 45. (laughs) And so I've got to make sure that I live this life with purpose, and I realize God is showing me that I cannot do anything that really matters unless he's involved. And if so, if I need him to be involved, i got to spend some time talking to him, and i got to make sure that I know how to hear him and that I can understand what it is he's talking to me about. And I don't have all the answers, and so please don't think that I, I think that I do, because I don't. But I do believe as women, and that's why I love women's ministry, I do believe that we have that nurturing in us, and I do believe that the Bible says we are to spur one another on. So I hope tonight our time together of teaching and you getting to share a little bit and a little bit and, and just calling some things together and out in our lives, we are going to leave here tonight and we're going to say, you know what? God spoke to me tonight and because of that, I am going to do this. I'm going to make some changes and I'm going to move forward from wherever I'm at in my prayer life to make it deeper and richer. And I want to just ask you with me, if you would stand for just a minute, we are going to pray and we're going to ask the Lord to be in our presence as we're in his word because it is he who is our teacher. Father God, we come before you tonight and we are so thankful that you are our teacher. Your word says that your Holy Spirit who lives within us, who are believers is our teacher. And Lord, we need to be taught. We need to learn more how to engage you in conversation and to hear from you. 
And Lord, I pray that as each one of us have come into this room tonight, that you will speak to us. We will leave and we will know that you have been our teacher tonight. And we thank you for that. We open up our hearts. We open up your word, Lord, to make sure that we're hearing from you tonight. And I just pray that your presence would be here doing that very thing. Meet each one of us where we're at. Lord, you know our hearts. You know what we need. You know what we need to hear. And Lord, as your word is alive and active, I just pray, God, that you would do that work in these women and in me tonight, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can have a seat. I imagine some of you, like me, have felt like you just kind of flounder in your prayers sometimes. I I don't know. You don't have to raise your hand, but... um, I imagine some of you have felt like that. You know, it's easy sometimes we get in a system maybe of how we pray, and before long it might feel like, wow, I just feel like I'm kind of saying the same things over and over. Or maybe we, you know, start off the new year and we have this list and we're going to keep it, but, you know, come the end of January I feel like, boy, I'm just kind of reading that and I'm not, my mind's off in some other place. Or maybe even your prayer life is great. But you know what? The depth and the riches and the wisdom of God is so vast that we could be the most amazing prayer warrior on earth and still have a lot to learn from God himself. But if you've ever felt like that, like you flounder in your prayers, I just want to tell you, welcome to the club. (laughs) Because probably just about everybody in here could join it. I'm in the club. And you know, I want to make sure that you understand somebody else that was in the club, and that would be the disciples. (laughs) They were in that same club of not really knowing what to do sometimes with this thing called prayer. And one of them came up to the Lord one day, and he said, Lord, teach us how to pray. You see, in their world that was so full of religious pretense and, you know, all these traditions, they had been hanging out with Jesus, and they got to see the real deal. He'd go off by himself. He, like, really wanted to pray. Nobody was watching him. He wasn't getting any attention because he was doing it. And he would talk to God, and things would really happen. You know what? In the Word of God, the disciples never came up to Jesus and said, please teach us how to preach. They never said, wow, you can do those major miracles. Teach us how to do them. They never did that. But they did approach him and say, would you teach us how to pray? And I think that's because they got to up close and personal see Jesus who was praying and stuff was really happening. It was real. There wasn't any pretense. And I don't know, you might be like me. I've been around some people that can pray like that. And really have these strong prayer lives. And it makes me go, I want to be like that. I want a prayer life like that. And so maybe you've been in that place too. And Jesus responded to their question by saying, when you pray, pray like this. Now we see that in two places in the Bible. We see it in Luke chapter 11 where they actually ask the question. But we also see it over in Matthew 6. And we're going to look there tonight. If you brought your Bible, I'd encourage you to turn with me to Matthew 6. And we're going to look there together. In Matthew, it kind of draws it out a little bit more, and that's why I want us to, to look at it there. And before we get started, let me just tell you, this is the section where the Bible records the Lord's Prayer. And there's a lot of teaching out there about the Lord's Prayer. I'm just going to be sharing with you some things tonight that I've gleaned here and there and kind of put into a practice in my life. And I want to let you know where we're going. We're going to look at the Lord's Prayer together. And then later, I'm going to come back and we're going to talk just for a few minutes about some very practical ways that we can actually take the Word of God itself and incorporate it into our prayers. It's one of the greatest things we can learn for our prayer lives. 
But let's look at the Lord's Prayer together in Matthew 6, starting in verse 9. I don't know how many of you have ever said the Lord's Prayer before. I imagine every one of us have. You know, most non-believers even know the Lord's Prayer because it's been something that's been incorporated into, um, into ceremonies and things like that. And so it's kind of got this very religious feel about it. But it's very easy to say it and your mind is thinking about a movie you're going to go to or something because it's something that people just kind of say by rote. Well, in this same chapter, in Matthew chapter 6, earlier Jesus was speaking to the people and he said... Stop praying with vain repetitions. These empty words that you're just saying again and again that really don't mean anything. So I know that's not what he meant for us to do with this Lord's Prayer. I think what his heart is, is that it's a model for us that we can grab onto and use in our own prayer lives. One pastor said, there's hardly anything that touches your life that is not included in this prayer. Now that's pretty amazing, isn't it? I mean, you think about it. If you count the words of this prayer, there's 68 of them. Only the God of heaven could say 68 words and touch everything in your life. (laughs) You know, I don't get that, but he does. Let let me give you this, for example. And this, this, to me, just blew my mind when I saw this. This prayer will involve you in just about every relationship you have with God. For instance, when you say, our Father, you're talking about your father-child relationship. You're the child, he's the Father. When you say, hallowed be thy name... You're talking about you're a worshiper and he's God. He's deity. When you say thy kingdom come, you're a subject and he's sovereign in the kingdom. When you say thy will be done, you're the servant. I'm the servant. He is the master. He's the Lord. When you say give us this day our daily bread, we're the beneficiaries and he is our benefactor. When we say forgive us our trespasses, we're sinners. And we're acknowledging that and we're saying, I need a savior. When we say, lead us not into temptation, we're saying, I'm a pilgrim and I need a guide. Isn't that amazing? And there's so much more if we stop and really look at this. And you know what? If this prayer does touch every area and the more I practice it in my life, I believe that it does. I think it would be very wise for us as women to really look at it and maybe gather some notes together of how we can incorporate it in our lives for this coming year. So let's look at this. First of all, in verse 9, it says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I like to call that lifting up his name. You know, so often we begin our prayers about ourselves. <laughs> we just do. You know, you think about it, even if it's in well-meaning thankfulness and we say, oh God, thank you for this day. Thank you that the sun came out today. Thank you that I got that check in the mail and that things worked out at the doctor. Who's that really all about? Us. (laughs) It really is. Even if you go before the Lord and you're asking for forgiveness as you start your prayer time with him and you say, oh God, forgive me. I really blew it yesterday and I really didn't mean to. You're still beginning your time with him about yourself. You know, it's been said that our self-centeredness knows no boundaries. (laughs) And the longer I live, I believe that to be true, not from looking at everybody else, but from being honest with myself. (laughs) And for the Lord, when he shows me things about myself. And you know what? That self-centeredness can creep right into the very beginning of your prayer time and set a tone over the whole thing. And I think many times that's why our prayers feel flat and feel lifeless if they do. But notice that Jesus doesn't begin that way. He says, hallowed be thy name. Now, hallow, that's not a word we use very often in our culture today. But basically what it means is let's lift him up. 
There are other places in the Bible where it says magnify the name of the Lord. In other words, you make that much bigger than everything else. But you know what? What I find is the more I know about God in his word, the more I study that and allow that to be a part of my life, the more I can lift him up. But here's the problem. So many times we don't know enough about the Lord. We haven't been in the word to really be able to lift up his name. You think about this. You know what it's like when you see somebody who's an acquaintance, but you really don't know them? And your life is not really intertwined. What do you do? What do you say? You say, oh, how you doing? Good to see you. Hope you're doing good. How's your family? You say the same things over and over again, don't you? And everybody says, oh, I'm fine. I'm good. Good to see you too. Oh, you look so good. I mean, you say those same very generic things. And and that's, I mean, I do it too. That's just being polite. And and that's a lot better than just like grunting or something, you know. But I mean, we, we say those things. But you think about that in terms of prayer. A lot of times when we come to the Lord, the reason we start off about ourselves is because that's what we've been thinking about all the time. And that's where we are focused. And maybe we really don't know God enough to lift him up. See, it's, let me, let me just say this, and I hope you'll take this in the right vein. You know, a lot of us start at those foundational places of knowing God. And the most amazing thing that God ever did was dying on the cross for our sins. I mean, I don't want to minimize that in any way. All of the word of God points to that. It is the most amazing thing. And it should be something that we talk to the Lord about often. But you know why he did that? To give us entrance into knowing him in the fullness. That was the beginning place. That's our starting place with God. And there is so much more to know about him than that he died on the cross for our sins. That gives us access to him so that we can know him. You know, when I've been relating to the Lord, when I've been in his word, when I've been talking to him and hanging out with him and and involved in some of the things that he's doing, I've been getting to know him. So when I come to talk to him, I do know him and I have things to say. So let's think about this, hallowed be thy name. In the Bible, God has a lot of names. We saw some of them up earlier on the screen with the, with the worship team. I love that song, Your Name. And God has a lot of names. And all of these names represent the character of God. And the more you get to know these names, as you begin your prayer time, you can magnify that. And it sets a, a, a hush of faith over your prayer times for all the other things that you're going to talk to God about. One of the names that I love of God, I've really been feasting on this name a lot this week, is El Shaddai. Some of you may have heard that one before because Amy Grant sang a song about it years ago. But it means that he is our all-sufficiency. In fact, the root of that name is has a root in dealing with what a baby receives from his mother's breast. How a baby gets everything he needs from that mother's breast. And that's us and God. He is our all-sufficiency in every way. See, I can come to God and I can start my prayer off like this. Lord, I don't have any energy today. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't have enough money. When I really think about it, I don't have any friends. You know? And we just go on and on to God about all this stuff we don't have. You know, I mean, goodness. Or we can come to God and we can say, Lord, thank you that you are El Shaddai. You are my all-sufficiency. 
I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you bring the things into my life that you do, Lord, but I'm trusting that you do. And today it doesn't even feel like that, but I'm going to magnify what I know about you to be true in spite of the way I feel today. You are my El Shaddai, and I praise you for that, and I lift that up. Do you see the difference? What a difference in beginning our prayer life like that. One of the other names that I really love about God, and I this will tell you something about me. I use this a lot, but it's Jehovah Sid Canoe. It's kind of a weird name, but it means the Lord, our righteousness. See, a lot of times we are having hard times with sin. We see these things in ourselves, and a lot of people stay away from prayer because they've got this deceptive thought in their mind that God's mad at them, so he isn't going to want to talk to them. Or they come to God and will do this whole thing, oh, Lord, I'm so bad. I, I know you don't even really want to talk to me today. It's been a bad day, and I blew it yesterday, and I'm probably going to blow it today. And so, you know, all of that. And you can start that way, or you can trust in the fact that he's Jehovah's Canoe. He is your righteousness. He doesn't expect that of you. He knows you can't do it anyway. That's why he sent Jesus. So you come to him and you say, thank you, God. Oh, I'm so thankful that you are my righteousness. You are Jehovah's Sid Canoe. You put your righteousness on me. Obviously, Lord, you know I need it. You saw what happened yesterday, and I'm going to talk to you about that. But today, right now, as I begin this time with you, I'm so thankful that you are Jehovah's Sid Canoe. See, there is hardly a problem you will face in this life that does not fall into the realms of the names of God. And you might say, well, I don't know any of his names. And if I spent some time studying, you know, half the 2010 is going to be over by then. And, and you know, what am I going to do with that? And, and I'd say, well, you do need to study them. I mean, that's, that's important. But you know what? Even if you don't know the names, you can get a list of them and get started. You can get a list of the attributes of God, and there are so many, because all of these names have attributes connected with them. I have lists of attributes that I use as I'm praying, and I pulled out one the other day just to get one to share with you, and my eyes fell on this one, incorruptible. Isn't it amazing to know that God is incorruptible? Sometimes, and especially if you're getting older, you look at yourself and you just feel like you're just falling apart, you know? And sometimes it does feel like that. Or you can look at your life and feel like things are just getting chipped away at and changing all the time. And But boy, isn't it good to come before the Lord and just say, God, I look at all that and I just don't even know what to do with that. But boy, I know you live in me and you are incorruptible. I'm just going to think about that for a little bit, God. I'm going to think about you don't ever get old, you know? You don't change in any way. Nothing chips away at you. Nothing destroys you. Nothing works against you, God. They might try, but they can't because you are incorruptible and you live in me. And I'm going to focus on that today. See, when we magnify the name of the Lord, everything changes. And let me tell you something. You start your prayers like that, I can only tell you from experience. Your faith begins to soar for all of the other things that you're going to talk to him about. And you know... One of the things that we find is when we lift him up, it really starts to affect our will. Look at the next verse, this next section of this model of prayer. Jesus says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And I like to call this leaning into his will, yielding into his will. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Basically, you're saying in that, Jesus, I want you to bring down heaven through earth, heaven to earth through me. And, and, you know, we have to stop and ask, how many of us are really, really interested in doing that? 
You know, God has a kingdom plan for each of us. But sometimes as women, and Debbie was talking about all the hats we wear, our planning lists are so long, we don't have time to talk to him about his list because we got to talk to him about our list of all the things that we, you know, want to do. And I am learning, and many of you probably already have learned this and could be sharing better than me, but that is a treadmill and it gets you nowhere. (laughs) Having all this stuff that you're going to do Instead of asking God, what are you doing today, God? I want to do what you're doing today. And bringing his kingdom and saying, God, how do you want me today to bring your kingdom into this world? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I recently heard a pastor say this. If you do not take time to pray the priorities of God into your life, your priorities are going to be wrong. And that really hit me. It really made a difference in how I was praying. You think about this. Jesus fixed his eyes on his father's will. The Bible says that he, Jesus said, I don't do anything without first looking at what my father in heaven is doing. And he needed to look to God to see what he needed to do in the details of his life. And as women, I don't have to tell you that you have a lot of details in your life. You wear a lot of hats and have a lot of roles. And so I want us to just take a minute tonight to go through some of these roles and think about this idea of asking thy kingdom, asking the Lord to bring his kingdom to the earth through you. You know, think about it first of all. Every one of us in here are a person before the Lord. Each of us have a personal relationship with God. Some of us, you know, may not hardly have any. Some of us may have a great one and all these things in between. But we're a person before God. And every day, really, we should be coming to him and just saying, God, you know, so thankful to be your daughter. And just talking to him about our relationship with him and getting our just personal, emotional will lined up with him and what he says. That is so important. We're also a partner. Now, you might be a spouse, you might be a sister, a friend, a neighbor, a co-worker. Let's just say it like this. We all have relationships with people. I don't think any of us in here are, you know, a hermit. We're sitting here together. You've got relationships with the people at your table, even if you just met them. We're a partner in some way. And we know that relationships can get kind of messy, you know, at times. And so daily, if we're coming to the Lord and saying, God... I want to talk to you about my relationships today and about being this wife that you're calling me to be. You know, I I want to make sure that I'm bringing the kingdom of heaven into this marriage. That kind of makes you think a little bit differently about things sometimes. You start thinking about what does God say about marriage? And God, I want to be the neighbor that you want me to be. I want to be the sister that you called me to be. I want to do these things and these relationships the way you would do them. The kingdom of God, the Bible defines the kingdom of God in the book of Romans as righteousness, peace, and joy. So basically what you're doing is saying, God, how are you going to use me today? How do you, what do you want me to do in this relationship to make sure that righteousness, peace, and joy is flowing into these places? Boy, it makes a difference in our lives. Think about being a parent. Many, many of us in this room are parents. It's a role that we play. How are we bringing the kingdom of heaven into our kids' lives? I know what the treadmill's like with that. You start, you get them up in the morning, you get their breakfast, you get them off to school, you pick up their rooms and do the things that they didn't do that you wish you had, they had done that they were supposed to do, and then you just keep on going and you pick them up after school and you go to soccer and you get dinner and you get bath and you make sure the homework's done and you might get a chance to say prayers with them and you put them to bed and you get up and you do it all again. You know? And, And how many of us live like that on that treadmill? 
to stop daily and say, God, what do you want me to do today to make sure that I'm bringing the kingdom of heaven into these places in my kid's life? It might just be a little thing. It might just be a different mind perspective. But to talk to him about that, to really pray over your kids' lives, some things and promises and principles from God's word. I read in a book earlier this year this statement, and it hit me square in the face. They said, if you're not praying for your kids as a mother, who do you think is? And I thought, wow. Because I do pray for my kids. I always have, you know. God bless them. Help them on their test. Take care of them. And those are all wonderful things. But God's really birthed some things in me this year about praying some promises from his word. And we'll talk about that more in a little bit. But boy, we have a rich opportunity as parents to bring the kingdom of heaven. But you know what? If you don't stop to talk to God about that, the priorities of the world are going to take over and just keep you moving so fast that that you don't even stop long enough. And so that's why it's so important to do that and to talk to him about those things to get rid of the pretense of let's making sure we're growing up these Christian kids to make sure that God's really doing some things in their lives and that we're cooperating with him. Sometimes God has shown me I'm the biggest roadblock to what he's trying to do when I've stopped long enough to ask him what he wants to do. Most of us in this room are a professional. You might be a professional in the workplace. You might be a professional in your home. You know, we all put our hands to the task in some place. We've got to talk to God about those things every day and being a participant in activities. And, you know, sometimes we can look at all those things and, you know, go, wow, God, I don't even know what your will would be in those things. Well, you know what? That's why we get in the word to find out what his will is and to move forward with him in those things. And it's not like you just ask him and all of a sudden, bam, you get this answer. Sometimes, you know, the Bible says pray without ceasing. So you just keep talking to him. You keep working it through just like you would any other relationship. And little by little, he begins to show us things. You know, the world systems of daytimers and blackberries and all those things, there's probably a lot of new ones, I don't even know what they are to mention them, that gets so more advanced than me. But you know what? All that stuff, which I used to, I have a blackberry, but you know, they might keep your schedule straight and get you from here to there in the day. But at the end of the day, at the end of the year, at the end of this decade, it's going to be The conversations, those real conversations with God that determine if we were actually being used to bring his kingdom into this world, in the places that we live and really reign as leaders. You see, this says, if we go back to verse 10, it says, on earth as it is in heaven. You know how it's done in heaven? (laughs) You know why it's so wonderful there? Everything is yielded to the Father's will. They're all leaning right into his will and saying, what do you want, God? That's how we're going to do it. And God will use us to bring his kingdom into this world of righteousness, peace, and joy as we lean into his will and say, God, what do you have for me today? How do you want me to adjust in these different places in my life? You know what? We begin to look toward what he directs. And, And the next thing in verse 11 says, give us this day our daily bread. In other words, God, I'm looking to you for every provision that I need. See, this is a model for us. And most of us, we've got this one down all right. I know I do. We, we ask God for all kinds of things. You know, that's what really permeates most of our prayer life is all the things that we ask God for. But if you just think back for a moment, if we really start with um, lifting up his name and magnifying his name, you know what? It 
that doing that at the beginning of your time with God gives you the faith to really believe him for some of these things that you're asking him for. And if you've really lined your will up with his, like we do when we lean into his will, it really adjusts what we think our needs are when we go and we start asking him about some things. I love what it says over in Psalm 123, and I want to read it for you. Psalm 123, verses 1 and 2. I think it'll give us some good perspective here. It says, To thee I lift up my eyes, O thou who art enthroned in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God until he shall be gracious to us. You know, think about that. As the eyes of a maid look to the hand of her mistress. Back then, if a woman was a maid and she served a mistress, her whole life was dedicated to doing that. And anything she needed, the only place she was going to get it from was from the hand of her mistress. She looked there to see what she could do, and she looked there for any of her needs to be met. And we have to think about that as we're asking God, where are our eyes You know what happens in this whole section of this model? I think we go at it in two different extremes. One extreme is that we kind of treat God like a genie, you know? Like like he's going to just give us everything we need and we just got to pour it all out before him. Years ago, there was a song, some of you probably heard it, written by a man named Larry Bryant. It was called The Shopping List. And the chorus of it goes like this. Give me this. I want that. Bless me, Lord, I pray. Grant me what I think I need to make it through the day. Make me wealthy. Keep me healthy. Fill in what I missed on my never-ending shopping list. And it went on to list, you know, all these different things. And we do. Sometimes in our prayers, we just come with, God, I need this and this and this. And we treat him like a genie. But you know what? We can miss it in the other extreme, too. Because we need to ask ourselves, am I really being genuine? In other words, God, I'm saying all this stuff to you. But where, really, where are my eyes? Am I saying to you, God, I need this, and I need this, and will you take care of this in this person's life, and and will you do this in our family? But really, my eyes are looking all over in the world, and my hands are held out to the world to meet my needs, instead of really expecting God to meet them. God can meet any need, any need. And what a freedom it is to know that. I know that I'm still learning this, but years ago, in a big way, God taught me that he was my provider. He alone was my provider. And, you know, he taught me through some really hard times. In our beginning years of marriage, my husband was a youth pastor. We didn't, you know, we could barely make ends meet. And he taught me that he could provide things like food and clothing and shelter. He could even provide underwear. And I'll tell you that story some other time, if maybe, but it is a really neat story. He can do that. But you know what? He can give wisdom and direction. He can bring friendships and joy into your life. He can provide resources that you cannot imagine would ever be put into your hands. And since we've started the ministry of Established Footsteps, I have found that to be true. Sometimes we just laugh and we go, God, you know, you put this person who has these amazing skills and is willing to come alongside us and work with Who would ever thought? Or you're going to let us use that place to do this thing? God, that is just amazing. You know, or we don't deserve it at all, but he, he just has favor. He's so amazing in that way. And you know what I, I personally, from my own experience, have found? He can give women the emotional stability that they need. And that is huge in our world. 
God alone can do that. And he did that for me. He pulled me up out of a pit of depression. He keeps me in a place of joy and hope. Him alone. And so often our eyes are looking everywhere else and we're saying, God, help me. But our eyes are really looking other places. And we need to ask as we're praying and we're saying these things, do we really believe that God's going to do something? Do we really have that faith? Maybe we need to start our prayers out by lifting them up to make sure that we do have the faith. I love how God says this here. He says, and give us this day our daily bread. In other words, you know what? You're not just praying for yourself there. You get to pray for other people too. It's plural. We get to say to the Lord, meet my needs and meet the needs of the people that I love in my life. This next section is very familiar to us. We don't always live it, myself included, but it is familiar. It says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And I like to call this lowering ourselves to seek his forgiveness. See, here's what I found as I've practiced this model in my life. After I have lifted up his name, after I've leaned into his will, after I have looked to him for provision, I'm just safe and secure in the arms of God. How could I not, you know, come to him and confess those things? How could I leave any wall between us as far as sin that I need to talk to him about? I love the scripture in Romans 2, 4. I, I say it to myself often. I share it with my kids often as I'm encouraging them to come clean before God in things. You know what it says? It says it's the kindness of God that draws men to repentance. See, and when we've been spending time with God in prayer and just basking in his goodness and in his provision for our lives and talking to him about the, the wonderful will that he has and a plan, you know what? We're safe. And we can just confess those things to him. But there's two parts of this that we need to make sure that we we get right. Because if we're genuinely in prayer with the Lord, because I know growing up in, in church and, you know, just many times, very pretentious prayers, praying, but not really engaged, I could say, just spout it off, you know, and God forgive us our sins. We, you know, if we have anything unconfessed before you, Lord, we want to do that. You know, and you, you don't even know what your sin is. <laughs> you hadn't even thought about it, you know, and I'm just being real with you. But when we're really engaging God, really talking to him about those things, really aware of the sacrifice that he paid for that sin, and I've called that sin out by name, and I've said, God, this is what it is, and I know you need to deal with me in this, and I, and, and I don't have any power for that, and, and I need your forgiveness in that area of my life. How can I then hold anything about, against anybody else? <laughs> because God's been so good to forgive me. This is real stuff. It's a time where God invites us to invite him into our humanity, into those places where we just can't get it right, into that relationship where, goodness gracious, we've tried for years to get it right, and we just can't. God, would you, would you help me with this? Would you give me that forgiving heart? I had a conversation with a young woman just recently, and, and, and it just came out that, you know, there was just bitterness in her heart. And, and when she saw it, and she saw what it was robbing, from her. The light went on. You know, it's not any good to hold on to this stuff. Let's talk to the Lord about it. You know, as we do that, God shows us the truth. Here, my husband always says there's two sides to every story. You know, you come home and you're like spouting off this whole thing. And he's like, remember, there's two sides. You know, I'm like, oh, but yeah, listen to this though. You know how we do. But he's right. 
And see, a lot of times when somebody offends us or we've been in a hard situation, we run to somebody else and we tell them about it. And because they love us, they're like, oh, yeah, that's really bad. And I would, you know, all that stuff. But see, when we go to God about it, he's the God of truth. And he says, yeah, but have you thought about it this way? (laughs) And And just in our mind, he impresses us about these things. And he gives us that power to forgive. But we have to talk to him about that. We have to lower ourselves under his authority, humble ourselves enough, get rid of the pride in our relationship to him, in our relationship to other people. And we need to do that often. We got to ask him to help us. I don't know about you, but sometimes it's really hard to forgive people that have hurt my heart and hurt somebody that I love, especially if you're a mama boy, they hurt your kids and that's really hard to forgive. You know, some of you are dealing with that tonight. What does the Lord want to do with that? He wants to talk to you about that in this coming year. He wants to get it right so you can move forward. And so we ask him, even as it says here in verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I love to call, I love this word liberate, and I like to call it this, liberating ourselves unto his power. You know, giving him the power in our lives to to really walk forward in these ways that he has for us. Instead of just dealing with the same old stuff over and over again. We're kidding ourselves if we think we can walk through this world in righteousness without engaging God on a daily basis and saying, God, I need your power. Because we're all sinners. We all have a fallen nature. We are a part of humanity that is just broken. And I'll tell you something else. The older I get, I'm more and more aware of my own brokenness and the brokenness of humanity. And God wants to deal with that. He wants to liberate us unto his power. We all deal with stuff. We all have issues. Look at the people at your table. Let's just take off the pretense. You don't have to confess your sins to them. But just say this. In a very general way, just say, I have issues. I have issues. I'm saying it too. We all do. Now, if if you want to say what it is, you're welcome. Okay? I'm not going to do that. But... Oh, boy. Woo! Come in. Um, if you want to do that, you can. But, you know, we all have issues. We all do. I mean, they're, they're just multi-varied. We have issues. Sometimes people wake up in a pit of sin, and they're like, how did I get in this place? How in the world did this happen to me? And you know what I believe? And what God has shown me as I've been practicing this model of prayer in my life is that really, if I'm spending time with God, engaging him in this kind of conversation, I never should end up in the pit so deep in sin. He's going to have to reach really far in there to get me out. The Bible says that his arm is not so short that it cannot save. So you're never going to get deep enough in there that he can't pull you out. And boy, does that give hope. But there's no reason for us to end up in that pit if we're engaging God on a daily basis and calling our issues out on the table instead of pushing them under the rug and acting like they're not there. And a lot of times, that's why we're not talking to God about these things and asking him about his power because we really don't want to change it, (laughs) you know? And that's kind of hard to look at ourselves and see that. But when we're willing to call that stuff out and say, God, here it is. I don't have a clue how I'm going to deal with this attitude. I don't have a clue how I'm going to deal with this mouth that starts yelling at my kids when I don't mean to. I don't have a clue how I'm going to, you know, deal with this selfishness in me or when I go shopping and I'm spending money that I really don't. Whatever your issue is. And we call it out on the table. We invite God into our humanity and we say, God, liberate me unto your power and give me the strength to be able. And you know what? 
God begins to move and work and you get excited about talking to him because you see him doing things in your life and in the lives of the people you love. But you know what? When we ignore prayer, when we just pray in these vain repetitions, these empty words, when we're really looking other places, just to check it off our list, I've been in every one of those scenarios, so I'm not pointing a finger at you. But when we do that, sin will overtake us. A couple years ago, God showed me a scripture in Proverbs 5, 6. It's talking about a woman who is an adulteress. But it says this. It says, she does not ponder the path of her life. Her steps are unstable and she doesn't even know it. That caught my eye because that word ponder. And I thought, you know, yes, there's that sin of adultery, but so many other sins. When we don't stop to ponder what they are, what they really look like to God, what they really are doing in our lives, when we don't take time to stop and ponder what the gossip is doing, what this is doing, or what else ever it is, is doing in our lives, our steps become unstable, but we won't even take the time to look, and we don't even have a clue where they're heading us into. This pit that's deep. Yet if we'll take time with God every day and we'll ponder, he's so good to give us his power. And he'll bring it in ways that we cannot even imagine. It is not God's plan for us ever to end up in a place where we're powerless. He's given us prayer so that we can have power. He's given us his word, his truth, that our steps might be firm and established and just planted to walk in righteousness, peace, and joy, and to be a glory to him that other people would see it and want to do that too. And I believe this model of prayer really challenges us to look above in real ways that really matter, that really make a difference, where we really can see faith coming alive in our lives and for people that we care about. Charles Spurgeon, many of you have probably heard of him. He was one of Christianity's greatest preachers ever. And he preached a sermon one time called Look Above. And it began by saying this, Look upward and let us weep, O God. You have given us a mighty weapon and we have permitted it to rust. You have given us that which is mighty as yourself, and we have let that power lie dormant. And you know, as I start this year, as you start this year, I think we need to ask ourselves, have we, as an individual, a daughter of God, on our own, have we picked up that weapon of prayer? In this sermon that Charles Spurgeon preached, he he said many more look above statements, but I want to leave you with one of them as we close out this time. Because our time together is not designed in any way to heap a load of guilt on us because we haven't prayed enough in the past. That's not what it's about. And maybe we haven't. Maybe we've not used this weapon that God has given us correctly. And I would be the first one in line to say, I've got a lot to learn. And I've had to ask the Lord to forgive me for not using what he's put in my hand. But we can't change yesterday. We can't do anything about that. We can't go back. But boy, we can move forward. We can make a difference in this coming year. And this is what Charles Spurgeon says. He says, look up and rejoice. Though you have sinned against him, he loves you still. You've not sought his face, but behold, he cries to you still. Seek my face. What a blessed thing it is that the master in heaven is always ready to hear. And he says, there is always an open ear if you have an open mouth. And I would add to that if you're ready to get on your knees. 
sometimes physically, sometimes just in your heart. Prayer, God's way, can make all the difference in this coming year in 2010. Thank you for listening to part one of Praying God's Word. Visit us at www.establishedfootsteps.com for more resources to assist you in establishing your daily steps in God's Word.